This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 59, recorded on the 19th of November, 2013. Today's topic, finding a career in camping. If you'd like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe at iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at campownersanddirectors.com. And by the amazing support of camp pros like you. We'd like to take a moment to thank our listeners who have become patrons of Camp Hacker. If you'd like to show your support and earn some cool rewards, go to patreon.com slash camphacker. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash camphacker. Today we want to thank our newest patrons, Andy and David. We can't do this without your support. Thank you. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I run a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan. We are the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains, about two hours from Manhattan. And this was my 17th summer this past summer. And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp uh, with a linguistic program situated in the Laurentians of Quebec. And my, I'm putting out years, I don't know what year I have. I think it's like 23. Yeah. It's my 23rd summer at Waro. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And my name's Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Center in uh, Iona, Ontario, which is about halfway between Toronto and Detroit. And we're part of the United Church of Canada's camping network, and I'm currently uh, not at work. I'm on a three-month sabbatical. In Australia. In Australia. And we're going to come back around and ask Joe some questions about that. In a van. <laughs> down by the river. <laughs> Before we get into that, let us introduce our newest co-host, Rich Rinaldi. Hey, Rich. Aloha, everyone. Uh, my name is Rich Rinaldi. I'm a program director at YMCA Camp Erdman, which is an overnight camp and conference center on the north shore of Oahu, Hawaii. Yes. So a little bit of a competition between the nicest location for podcasting today between <laughs> Oahu and... Uh, Joe in Australia. So, Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, tell me a bit about how one gets to be a full-time camp person in Hawaii. Well, you have to be really lucky. Um, <laughs> no, but um, I spent my entire life growing up at camp um, every summer at YMCA Camp Akinikin in New Jersey, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went there every summer, boys camp, grew up there, did the seasonal thing, and sort of started that. I uh, started thinking that I wanted to go into camping. Um, and so I started looking on the YMCA's website for jobs, and the Camp Erdman program director position appeared. I applied to that along with many, many others, and uh, this is the one that happened to work out for me. So uh, now I'm here as a program director on Oahu, and I feel uh, extraordinarily lucky to be here. So it's awesome. 
Well, and uh, thank you for piping up and suggesting this topic that we're going to talk about today, which I'll introduce in a minute. But I'm so grateful that you, you said, hey, let's talk about this. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. And Joe, tell us a little bit about your trip. Well, it is. Uh, so I'm on a 38-day long trip of Australia touring around to summer camps and education facilities and just taking a little break. Um, we arrived on November 4th, and uh, we are currently halfway through our stay. Um, and when I say we, I'm traveling with my 11-year-old son, Matthew, who is... Uh, it's very interesting to tour summer camps and education facilities with a, a camper. Yes. Because they see the things that, as a camp director, that we might just overlook, right? Like the cool stuff and the, the stuff that kids are into and whatnot. So... It's been good. We've seen nine camps so far. We just left our latest camp yesterday afternoon, um, and we are now on our way to actually attend a, a two- or three-day school program at King Lake Ranges Wilderness Camp uh, just north of Melbourne. So um, after that, we'll do a couple of more camps and a couple of government camps in New South Wales and end our stay in Sydney. Nice. That's awesome. Well, we're so glad you could get up early and join us. Uh, it's early for Rich, but it's really early for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's uh, six six twenty three a.m. here in New South Wales, and um, I'm in the back of a camper van, just hanging out. Nice, right on. Well, yes, it's awesome to have you, Joe. So, uh, so Rich contacted me and and said, "What about this idea?" And I said, "Good, if you'd be on the show." Uh, and, uh, this, the, the topic is, is finding a career in camping. And I think we've all, all gone through the process of, um, working our way up to working full-time in camping. Um, some of us have worked as year-round program staff. Some of us went from summer staff to director, etc. So we just wanted to think about, um, how somebody, um, could do that. The many paths to becoming a full-time person in in camp. And Rich, what was the reason that um, that made you say, "I think we should talk about this today"? Well, I think that um, you know the reason I brought it up is because when I go to camp conferences, I think a lot of people see me and say, "Wow, like you know, you're a pretty young guy. Um, you know, you must have been pretty lucky, or you know, I think I worked pretty hard too to end up as a, a program director." Um, at my age, so I feel really lucky for that. But also, you know, a lot of people ask me for advice on how to start getting involved and start moving from a seasonal position to a full-time position because, you know, that jump is really, really significant. Um, and that can be the hardest, the hardest thing for people to do. You know, it might involve uh, moving to a different camp. Um, it might involve uh, trying to, you know, chat with people at, at the camp that they've grown up at and there might not be positions available there or they might make a position for them. And there's lots and lots of different ways to, uh, you know, start getting involved from a seasonal to a full-time staff member. But it might not be as clear uh, as a seasonal staff member how to make that jump. It's pretty clear to say, oh, I'm a cabin counselor. Maybe next year I want to be an activity director. Mm -hmm. And maybe the following year I want to be a unit leader. But how do I go from a unit leader to a full-time staff member? Um, and I think a lot of people have that question. Yeah. Did you, Rich, did you work as a, a year-round program person, like outdoor ed staff 
etc. Before um, you got under this job, I actually I actually did not. Um, so I started out as a I went from you know cabin counselor to activity specialist to unit leader to um, assistant camp director and. Um, I started looking for, and I, I, I th- considered a lot of options, um, and I thought I'd probably end up in outdoor ed somewhere, um, but the program position here opened, um, and I had some uh, folks who had previously worked with me at Akinikin and some folks who work here who had worked with each other, so I was able to get some uh, uh, good references and, and get an in there, um, which is another thing that I tell people a lot when people ask about, you know, oh, networking, do I need to network? What does that mean? What, how do I network with people? And, and networking isn't, for me, um, you know, just chatting people up and giving them a business card or giving them your resume and hoping they give you a job. Networking is, you know, over time, building real connections so someone can say, hey, you know, you want this person to work at your organization. Yeah, that's awesome. Dan, how did you get into camp full time? Yeah, um, so um, my camp story is basically when I was 16, um, I already thought I was done with camp. I went um, to a day camp, I had a bad experience, and I came to actually Frost Valley and went on a bike trip, and then like, and my aunt commits me to be a counselor in training. And then, um, uh, like many camp staff, I, I was a, a seasonal summer staff for... Um, uh, from when I was 16 uh, through to college. And then I, I was graduating college, and um, I had to get a job in the real world, and I had an internet advertising job lined up, and I, I took it, and um, I hated it. I, I was miserable. Um, I, I don't think any of my old coworkers listen to this. They, they knew I was miserable. I mean, I, had, I, I enjoyed them, but at the same point, I mean, that was not my passion. And at that point in my career, uh, for me, it was more important about the work I was doing than necessarily my paycheck. Uh, um, the, the people I was working with were great, but... Um, I just I needed I needed to be fulfilled by the content of my work, um, so I left um, and I actually left not knowing what I was going to go do. And at the same point in time, um, uh, Frost Valley needed a seasonal um, assistant uh, director uh, for our younger half of our camp. So we have a lot of uh, seasonal directors, um, and they typically um, uh, rise up through the system. They've been staff for six, seven years, and then they, they move up. And so I came here uh, and not knowing what I was going to do, um, I loved the camp while I on a job. And about halfway through, um, someone suggested that I actually apply to be um, one of our program instructors. So we have over 20 program instructors with our camp. We see um, close to 180 schools through the school year. And so I became a program instructor and I taught um, school groups that came up and I also worked with families on the weekends. And then um, from there, I did that for a year and, and decided that I wanted to run weekend programming um, and that that would be a good step. And um, I, I was a, a conference um, program coordinator, uh, um, taking care of weekends and retreats for about a year and a half. And then um, one of our full-time um, positions for summer camp opened up, and I really recognized that that was what I wanted to do. I really wanted to be in youth development, and that was in 2007. And I applied for that position, and I got it. And then I was the uh, camp all the director for four years, and the um, uh, uh, I'm now my uh, going into my fourth summer with this role with the director of camping services, and I'll be in this role for for quite some time. But uh, you know, for me, um, I think. I didn't. I kind of stumbled into it uh, because my uh, my facility has year-round programming, 
but I always recommend to people um, that when they um, want to go year-round with um, uh, being in summer camp role is that they, they actually look in the year-round programming because there's a lot of times where you're really great at the June through August, but you don't know how to handle the shoulder groups in May and September or if your place is year-round, how to work with those year-round groups. And it's really um, elevated my game in terms of uh, professionalism as well as uh, understanding the family as a whole versus just the child. Um, when I got into the role for director of Camp Alianda, um, the the same thing Rich was saying with networking. Uh, you know, I really um, believe in a strong community and really reached out to my peers at different different camps um, and really really tried to build that community that I had during the summer, just during the year with other camps. Um, and that has been um, the most success for my career in that sense is is, is really doing. Uh, being part of that community and also putting myself out there, um, you know, really writing um, and putting um, putting blog posts up or uh, responding to comments on the Facebook group, uh, you know, just these little things that you build a community with, um, and it's how you you build a name. I was I was at a, a meeting yesterday where I didn't know about half the people there, and when I introduced myself, like, oh, I know you from this, and I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, hopefully, that's you have a good impression of me. Um, but uh, that is a uh, kind of key in that sense, um, right. uh, or a key aspect of my career. Right. Right. Awesome. And Gab, what's your, uh, your story of moving full-time, moving into full-time? Um, I think my story is, is a little bit, uh, different, um, in the sense that, um, my family owns and runs our summer camp and like a lot of, a lot of children of, uh, families that, that own businesses, um, they tend up. They tend to, to end up working for their parents at some point. Um, I, and it's out of usually it's out of necessity. You know, we need assistance, and that's what you're going to do. So, um, so for for me, I always had a choice, and it was always offered to me to work for camp. And and I really went up, you know, through the ranks, and I had supervisors that weren't my parents, and you know, um, did all the grunt work that's very important to do. But I think for me, that for people that grew up in summer camp and have a family member that owns a summer camp, uh, it's sort of the, the opposite route that would be very important to take, which is um, building your confidence outside of the organization. Um, so when usually all the, all the legwork that Dan is talking about, your parents have done already. And so you're very closely associated to who your parents are. And, um, and it's not that people see you necessarily as the same person, though some people do. Um, it's more that your confidence might not, it might not feel like you did it on your own. So when I would go to conferences, people knew me. And then a lot of times I felt like, well, you know, I didn't earn this. Um, if, if I spoke somewhere, um, sometimes in the back of my head, I would say, well, Jackie, you know, paved the way for me on, right. in, in this route. So I think for, for people that want to continue into camping that grew up uh, at a family where their family owned the camp, it's really important to go work at other camps, um, to have that experience uh, growing up even as a camper, go to another camp. And, um, and then, of course, as a staff member. And then also try different stuff. So when you're in school, you know, learn about other things, try to seek other things that are interested to you, um, interesting to you and build that confidence and then make an educated decision if this is what you want to do. Cause a lot of the times your parents actually do want you to take over kind of, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, even if they want to give you as much space as possible, it's a little bit in the back of their head. 
that they would, wouldn't it be lovely if he or she would take over right. <laughs> camp and um, even if you're good at it, it doesn't mean that that's what you sh- that's what you're you should be doing. Um, and I was at a conference last week, uh, the Quebec Camping uh, Conference, and uh, Mike Pierce came and spoke. And and um, you know he grew up at Twingo and now he works at Twingo and he's very good at his job. And um, we were just talking about even though you're good at something, is that what you should be doing? Um, is that you know because camping is something that there needs a lot of passion, and at some point the passion can dwindle a little bit, and uh, you need to be there for the right reason so that you can spark it back up, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. And I've always respected that your parents sent you away to go to other camps. You and your brothers went away to other camps and have, um, you know, be able to bring ideas back to camp. Um, yeah. But also, as the camp director's kid, I think it must be nice to n- not be the camp director's kid for a couple weeks of summer. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, um, when I started at Waro, you know, I asked, I asked my mom she could change her last name so that we would be different, and she said that people might still know. <laughs> I was like, how would they? <laughs> if you change your last name, then they won't. But. Uh, um, I really wanted to have that camp experience, and at I did. Um, but you're right. Uh, I went to Circle R Ranch, and I uh, went to a couple of other camps, and I was really it was just me, and and that was just such a wonderful full experience, and it really does add to your sense of self. Um, and but I think as you're coming into your own as a professional, you do have to work hard to to carve that path for yourself, um, and you do need to to try new things and, and uh, whether that's in camping or outside of camping so that at the end of the day, you feel comfortable and confident in the choice that you've made and that you can, and then those that are challenging you, you know, you can stand up for yourself because surely people uh, will look at you and think, well, this was just handed to you and yeah. uh, you need to be able to feel like, no, it was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I worked my butt to get here, you know, so that's, um, that's been my path and it's been a very, uh, a really interesting path to, to take, mm-hmm. but I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yep. Awesome. And, and Joe, how did you get into camp full-time? Well, I got into camp full-time through a series of fortunate events, I suppose. I grew <laughs> up, um, the camp I grew up at was Kennedy camp and, and my parents met at that camp in the sixties and, and both my brothers met their wives there. And, um, and so I knew from a young age when I was a CIT that I just, I wanted to work at camp full time. And so I pursued in, and, and this is in the late eighties, early nineties. And, and there wasn't sort of an established way to do anything like to get, I would say to my, I would say to my parents, you know, I would love to work at camp full time. And my dad, who's a farmer would say, is that even possible? And, um, and I had to just be like, I'm sure it is. I just don't know how to do it. So mm-hmm. I went away to uh, Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and took an outdoor recreation degree with the idea that that would best prepare me for for camp. Um, and I did, you know, during during my summers, I, I actually moved to a lot of different camps. So I worked at Kennesaree, and then I worked at uh, an Easter Seals camp with kids with disabilities, and then I worked at... Uh, Camp Stevenson in London, Ontario, which is a non-profit um, camp for kids where they uh, kids pay $15. At the time I went, they paid 
$15 to go to camp for 13 days. Um, then I went back to Kennesaree and directed, and, and then, um, then I did, after finishing university, I did a couple of stints at um, some, I did a summer where I wasn't at camp, and then uh, I got a full-time gig with uh, Canadian Adventure Camp, which is a camp on Lake Tomogamy with, with Skip Connett. Um, and that what that allowed me to do was to move to Toronto, which in Ontario is really the center of the camping universe in the wintertime. Um, no matter what people say, that's where the majority of camp people are. And, uh, and networking was really important. So I joined the HR committee of the Ontario Camps Association and, and worked uh, with that and just, you know, um, participated in those things and and in the end when i left canadian adventure camp after one summer when i applied to work at the taylor staten camps um it was patty tom who was the the head of the hr committee um who really gave me that glowing reference to to work at taylor staten and then that was in 1999 and i spent five years there and then right after i left taylor staten i i i moved to um, to Pierce Williams, so um, that's sort of my path to to where I to how I got here. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so each of you have given me little points that I want to pick up on, but I'll just quickly share what it was like for me to get into camp full time. Um, I grew up in high school working at two different camps, alternating every summer, uh, and one was a private sports camp. Um, that uh, did some art stuff as well. Uh, and the other was Camp Kinto, where I grew up, that I've talked about over and over again. Um, and then in university, I went into summer senior staff at Kintail. After I had taken, after I decided I wasn't going back to camp, I was going to live in the city. Um, and I stayed in Ottawa for a summer and worked to make money. Um, and realized that a Labor Day of that year that um, I actually had not made, I'd, I had less money at the end of the summer than I did um, when I worked at camp and was sort of isolated and couldn't spend as much money, um, but also that I'd missed camp so much. I went camping on uh, Labor Day weekend with friends it, at um, North of Montreal and, and just realized how much I'd missed and not being at camp for that summer and decided then and there that I was going to change my major, move out of politics into psychology because I w was certain it would help with the work I was going to do. Uh, and then started going back to camps in the summers again. Uh, and I got pretty lucky because I graduated university, got a job directing at Glenmore. Uh, and then um, that was just for the summer. And then in the fall, I worked hard and prepared a proposal for the Glenmore board to move to a full-time director. And, um, that, uh, sorry that, but that, that, uh, I, I was lucky they accepted my proposal. I started working for almost no money because they hadn't had a full-time director in years and really had to build up to it. So, um, that turned into the 15 years that I spent at Glenmore and then to, well, I guess, about 13 years at Glenmore and two at Cairn. Uh, so there's a bunch of different paths. But there's a bunch of things that I think are, are worth picking up on. Both um, both Gavin and Joe just talked about um, starting on different committees and things. And I know, Dan, that you do a lot of committee work right now. Are you finding that there are young professionals in those committees, Dan? 
Um, not a tremendous amount. Um, you know, I find the easiest way to get yourself on a committee is um, to really put yourself out there in terms of presenting at conferences. A lot of the committee work out there is, is conference-related. So if you present on a topic, um, uh, that is one way to get yourself on the committee. The other way is to actually just ask. Um, you'd be surprised how many committees I'm part of that sit there and try to figure out how to get more people involved or yep. diverse the board or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. And there, you know, it's just nobody asks. So if you want to be part of something, um, you, you, it's it's on you to reach out. Like I wanted, I actually wanted to be part of Tri-State, and this is this is true. This was a few years ago, and I, I sent an email to the exec of ACTA in New York, New Jersey, and they forwarded me along to the person that was a program chair, and um, I had like a thirty-minute interview with them, roughly. Um, where we just it wasn't really an interview. We just went back and forth, um, and uh, and that was it. And then I was on the I was on the program committee. It, it was you know it, a lot of times. It's it's just putting yourself out there. I think the the best thing about the camp industry as a whole is um, is that we are so trained to respond to campers and to to respond to youth that we kind of take the same way, um, uh, same approach when it comes to staff. That um, if a if a camper is coming up to you and asking you for something or saying they need something, um, you respond to that need. And if a, a staff member or um, or uh, somebody that wants to have a career in camping is uh, being forthcoming and saying, "I want to do this. Can you help me?" or um, "I would love to be part. How can I be part?" Um, you generally have a response, which is really unique for industry. And I think that's the the coolest thing about that is that um, that everybody started out young in it and everybody knows um, knows how hard it can be and everyone feels good about helping somebody as well um, but I, I would just um, I would say it's part me putting myself out there um, with uh, presenting um, but also and it's, it's definitely part just taking the initiative <laughs> and contacting right. people yes um, I, that really that really goes a uh, far away I'll, I'll share one story before I, I turn back over um, so there's um, the uh, speaker ACA National uh, Maui Agustin uh, amazing um, keynote on leadership phenomenal keynote on leadership and so um, his keynote um, really matched up with what we're doing with character education and I wanted to get like a good half hour with him just to pick his brain so I went up to him after his keynote and he had like a half hour line and I was like look I, I, I would love to just take you out for coffee for like 30 minutes and just just bounce some things off you it would be phenomenal if I could do that um, and he said oh I can't do that but I could maybe do dinner tonight um, here's my card message me later uh, and meet me here and then we'll see if we can do it and so um, I messaged him in the afternoon like he told me and then I met him at the book signing and we went out to dinner and um, afterwards um, he was telling me how that was a test that was a test to see if I'd actually follow through and, right. and, and do it and that was his way of testing my, my own leadership um, and it it was so funny because you know one adult doing that to another just sounds absurd, but that's really what we do is we, we really like we put ourselves out there like I'm glad to help out anyone that contacts me, but you have to contact me. I'm not right. going to contact you, you know. And um, I know Rich really well. Uh, you know, I think that's what what's been the the things that springboard his career is that he well, uh, someone says, oh, uh, you could do this, and he's like, all right, let's do it. You know, he takes that initiative, that that forward step in that sense. So yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's a real, uh, you know, partnership, and it's really true of Dan, too, because, uh, you know, Dan walks the walk on this one, because I, I was 
wanting to present at the Northeast YMCA Camping Conference back when I was a seasonal staff member, and uh, uh, I didn't get a speaking slot, and Dan was like, hey, you know what, take my speaking slot, you can speak in this one um, instead of me, so I, I think that's really true, and I'm still really appreciative of that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like our Dan. Uh, what sort of other networking, Rich, do you recommend? Well, and I think that, I think the term networking brings up this, like, you know, you have to like talk to everyone or, you know, make sure that you're really well known. Um, but I think it's, it's less about, um, networking and more about, um, relationship building. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows because a lot of, actually all of our, we have, um, full-time year round program instructors here at Camp Erdman. Um, and some of them were CITs with me when I was yeah. 16. Yeah. Um, and they now work for me or my assistant counselor. Now my, we spent an entire summer in a cabin together and now he's a full-time staff member here. Um, another one of our staff members was, uh, recommended by, uh, Scott Arzala who said, this is great. She's going to be a great staff member. You should definitely hire her. And, um, we interviewed her and it, it's, it's been working out great so far. Um, and, and I think that is the main thing. And, you know, the team at Camp Erdman here is pretty new, but, you know, even my, uh, you know, my supervisor, Andrew, when he first got here, uh, a lot of the folks he brought for seasonal positions were people that he had previously worked with. So I think, I think that's really important because you really, I think you can, um, interview someone and get a, a good idea of what's going on. But until you're really like in the trenches with them, working with them, um, that's how, you know, you know, you, you're going to want to, uh, work with them. And so whether that work is, you know, it's not always going to be growing up at camp together. Um, that work can sometimes be, you know, uh, at conferences, you know, seeing someone talk or spending more time with them or, uh, putting yourself out there talking on a, you know, a little tiny topic that you yeah. are somewhat knowledgeable on. That's, that's, that's what I did. And I think it, it, you know, went a long way. I've, I was able to meet a lot of people through that. Right. That's awesome. Hey, Joe, do you have any other suggestions of ways to get known or to start to reach out to people? I think when, when, you know, it's not something I've thought about lately, but it's, it's one of those things as I hear Dan and, and Mark talk about it, it's this idea of, of presenting right in, and putting yourself out there because I was just thinking about, uh, well, Travis and, and Gab both know OCLW, the Ontario Camp Leadership Workshop. And, and I remember back to a year when I got a call to be their keynote speaker. And I wasn't even, I'm not sure I was even employed full time in camping at the time. Um, and it was one of those things where I haven't thought of it in a while. I was like, well, how did that happen? And it was because I, I was just putting myself out there as a speaker. Um, speaking about some some interesting things and and i think the the concept of not so much networking but it, it does become who you know mm -hmm. or more so who knows you right it, it it's who trusts you and who sees potential in you and it, it's one of those things it's um um it's working full-time in trying to create a full-time camp job for yourself is is another way that i've seen some people do it as well um we recently at pierce williams hired a full-time uh, summer camp director and that was a position that didn't exist until july of this year and the funny thing is we didn't even have to go looking for someone because we had we had jessica sitting on our staff who had recently graduated from from university yeah um and so it was one of these things where 
she, in fact, wrote, uh, that's a, a bit of a, a story that involves you, Travis. So you spoke at, you and Beth spoke at the um, all-conference training day for the United Church in London Conference this year yep. for the camps. And um, after that day, uh, you did a, a talk called Camp is Dead. And after that day, probably about a week and a half later, I got a, a resume on my desk and a cover letter from Jessica, who it's funny because she was gamefully employed by yes. us at the time. And um, I had been encouraging her to, you know, spend the summer with us and then let's let's try and get you to find you a a full-time job in camping somewhere because I know that's what you want to do. And essentially this letter said, um, I do want to work in camp full-time, but I don't, I want to work here because we're doing amazing things. And if I go somewhere else, I would have to, I, I get the sense that I would have to start over to get to the same point we're at. Right. And it just so happened that it worked out with our board and, and a couple of decisions that were made about changing my job and, and what we do. But it, it becomes one of those things, if you put yourself out there, um, then good things can happen. And and that goes against my, my whole belief, which is that the more camps you work at, the better prepared you are to work at other camps. Yeah. Um, because if, if you only ever work at one camp, then and, and this happens with, st with staff a lot, when I would arrive at a new camp, they'd be like, well, this is the best camp in the world. And in my <laughs> mind, I eventually just got to the point where I'm like, to you, I'm sure it is. Yes. But if this is all you know, how do you know that, how do you know? Right. Like, if this is the only thing you've ever known, then how do you know that this is the best camp in the world? Right. And so my, one of my strengths comes from, from working at so many different camps, from Kennesaree to Whedon to Stevenson to... Um, Canadian Adventure Camp to Taylor Staten, right? So I'm at six, six different, very vastly different camps in my camping career. So um, I, I can't put enough value on that because essentially what it allows you to do is take the, the good things from each place. So then you're ready when when you get that full time um, ability, you're ready to to implement those changes, the the good you've seen everywhere, to make it somewhere else the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it gives you also uh, a perspective when you're only at the same camp for a long time, you forget what it's like to be a new staff member or a newcomer. And going to another camp, another organization, you pick up very quickly, you know, how it feels to be a newcomer. And, and um, I mean, that's what we want the most at our camps is to make everybody feel comfortable. So through that experience, is, it's just as valid as the experience itself. Yeah. I, I went and volunteered at uh, Camp Cizanani, um, right. and, uh, I for three weeks um, about four years ago, and that was such an eye-opening experience for me of what it's like for the international staff member to travel from a very far distance and to be thrown into a culture that you have no idea what you're in the middle of. Um, yeah, I, I took a lot from that experience. Yeah. Uh, it, where was I? Good? I had an idea. Um, it, yeah. I know that you have to go pretty soon, so I want to give you one, another chance to, to pipe in with stuff. Is there other um, training or other places that, that you'd recommend for people to do to be ready when the opportunity arise, arises? 
Listen to Camp Hacker. (laughs) 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 Really smart people here. Uh, I I don't know. I think, I mean, conferences, I've always been a big uh, supporter of those. Sometimes those are, may not be able to fund them yourself. Um, I, you know, I really just like the approach um, that we, that Dan's been saying and Joe and um, Rich just, if you're in a camp that you enjoy and you want to work there, approach the owners, approach the people that are in charge and tell them your plan or tell them your hopes and, and express, you know, ask them, what do I need to do uh, to be part of this? Um, it, loyalty is so high uh, when coming to hire a staff member. It's, it's, it, it's a very, it's, it's, it's also really attractive for somebody that's trying to hire somebody. And if you're looking for other camps, it's sort of the same approach. Your camp I was drawn to your camp for this so-and-so reason. Um, I want to be part of this. And there's something that's very motivating to the person that that is, is owning, that owns the camp when somebody approaches them and says, you know, it's like dating. Somebody's yeah. like, you are amazing and I want to take you out. You're like, I am amazing <laughs> and I would like to go out. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just... I think so many people are wait for somebody to approach them yeah. and you just can't do that. And it doesn't have to be scary. It's not like you're saying, you know, I need to know if I can have a full-time position tomorrow. Just approach them and say, I'd really like to do this. Is there a way we can make it work? I'm very yeah. interested in, in continuing my career here. And, um, and I mean, that's how we've grown our staff. Yes. Uh, we've made it, we've, we've, worked very hard to keep some of the staff members that, that, uh, you know, full time so that, you know, we can keep that camp world going the way we want it to go. And, and we made it work, you know, financially we made it work. So you never know unless you ask. Yes. Yeah. And I think camp people reward other camp people that take initiative because we know that that's what makes a good staff person. Totally. Yeah. May my may I share my tool of the week? Yes, it's like one yes. Of my if you need to get going, tools. please share. Okay, so I'm excited to share this tool of the week because it is the Matt and Joe show, uh, the Australian <laughs> tour. It's it's my morning listen. Um, so this is this is a, a mini side podcast uh, that uh, Joe is doing with his son. Um, you know, while they're visiting Australia, and there's some wonderful information about Australia in it, but also about um, camps in Australia, which is really, really cool. Um, and things like you don't call a koala bear a koala bear; it's just a koala because they're not bears. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm learning stuff on this on this show, but it's it's usually between five and ten minutes, and uh, great sound effects. And but more importantly, I think Joe, it's just a wonderful listen in the sense of a father and son and their experience together. And um, I remember when Joe showed me how to speed stack and, uh, and uh, he said he, I, then his son started to speed stack. And then I recall uh, Matt going into some sort of cupboard and taking out all of these cans and speed stacking. And that's when Joe's like, Oh, we've, we've gone too far. He's <laughs> speed stacking <laughs> these cans, but it's really cool to, to hear his perspective on camp and, quite a smart young guy and it's a really nice listen it's the first thing i like to listen to in the morning so i encourage everybody to listen to it that's awesome yeah well good luck with your interview gab thanks, thanks. for joining us and very nice thanks meeting you, you richard one, 
Thanks, Gab. <laughs> you too. Yeah. Yep. I'll come to Hawaii. Is that an yeah. invitation? Anytime. Of course. Open invitation. <laughs> okay, just checking. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Have a nice have a nice rest of the podcast, guys. Th- thanks. Right. thanks. Oh, and I'm I'm um tweeting on um at Gabrielle Rail. With so two L's at the end. That's, That's the right. All thanks. right. Take it easy. Bye guys. Uh so I think that um, one thing I would add in is uh, if you're listening to this and you're not already a member, I don't know why you're not, but if you're not a member of the Camp Pros group on Facebook, um, I can see some subtle stuff going on there that people are getting the attention of others by answering smart questions. Um, but also somebody put out just today, like I'm looking for to get started in camp. How do I go about it? And there are like a dozen answers to that question and a dozen pieces of advice. And um, so come and join. There's 2,200 people who work full-time in camping who are talking every day about this stuff. And and we talk about it quite often on the show, but I think it's a good place to build your skills, to get noticed for being a smart, helpful initiative taker. And, um, you know, being part of the bigger movement of, of summer camp. So I invite you to do that. Follow the links that are in our show notes that we've talked about it over and over again. Um, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash camp pros and, and join us there. Dan, do you think there's anything else that, that we're missing on a way to, to stick out or to, to move from a summer camp staff person to a year round person? Uh, I think, um, uh, the last point I just want to touch upon is don't, um, don't think an opportunity is too small. Um, you'd be surprised um, how far things get you. Um, you know, like for instance, I met Travis through Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. um, I, uh, I'll tell the story of, of one of our staff. Um, I won't use her name though. So uh, the staff member, she came with her college to um, the Northeast Black Camp Conference. She spoke up in a session that one of my staff was leading, um, and she spoke up in a different session. Um, with a really poignant comment um, in front of another one of our staff. And so the two staff were talking about, like, um, just things that made them think that day. And they're like, oh, yeah, and this one person um, uh, from uh, from the college, Springfield, uh, said this. And they're like, oh, is it this person that said this in my session? They put it together. And then the next day at the conference, um, I went up to her. And I was like, so I'm having all these people tell me that you're amazing and uh, and that you're great. And, um, you know, I... I, I want to see if, uh, like, do you have a, a summer camp lined up this summer? Mm-hmm. That's literally how the how the conversation started. And she said she didn't have one lined up. And um, and then I said uh, my most obnoxious comment I could have said is, "Well, everyone tells me you're worth it. Are you worth it?" And, <laughs> and she said, and she, and she said, "Yeah, no, I'm worth it. I'm definitely worth it." It's like great. So here's my business card. Yeah. Um, give me a call uh, next week. And uh, again, that was like my test. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. um, and uh, give me a call next week. And um, we could start going back and forth, and she called me, and, and we talked for like an hour on the phone, and then we set up an interview, and she knocked out of the park, and now she just worked here for the past seven months, and is going to be coming back next summer. Right. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's sometimes as easy as just being present. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you don't have to, it's not, you don't have to overdo it to put yourself out there. Um, sometimes it's just being part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Rich, is there anything you think that we've missed that we, we should encourage people to do or, or hints we can give them? Well, I think there's a there's one thing that stands out, and, and Gab said it, uh, is the, the passion really needs to be there. Yep. You really, really need to be passionate about it. Um, and the job search is not 
just about finding, you know, the perfect job. It's more about, you know, what you've done, what you're going to do. I'm, I'm our director for conferences and retreats, and that's not something I expected myself to be doing at any time because I was a, a summer camp guy. I really, yep. I really loved summer camp. Um, and that goes back to what Dan was saying, too, about the, you know, really um, needing to understand a year-round environment. As a seasonal staff member, you kind of get a snapshot of what happens year-round at summer camps. Mm -hmm. And that snapshot is really, really great. And summer camp is uh, an incredible program that, changes lives and um, is really, really important, but it's a, you know, a portion of what happens. And you really have to be into what happens the rest of the year, too, if this is really, really the right career for you. Um, one of the things that staff members or staff members or folks in school uh, have talked to me about are, you know, what's a good major in yeah, college right. uh, to choose to go into camping. And I, I would say you can choose anything. We have education majors, anthropology majors, recreation majors, and advertising major working for us. Um, and I'm a business major. Um, and, and that's something that has served me really, really well in camping. I just sought out opportunities to sort of get involved and build relationships in camping. And that's how I, I ended up, you know, in this career path. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point um, that there is, I mean, there's now a master's program in the States There's a master's program in camp management that you can do online, but there isn't really specifically a degree for this, but um, all of the four of us and Geb as well, um, all have different degrees, but we've all gone into it thinking I can apply this to to camp or I could take what I learned at school and apply it to camp because my degree, as I said, is, is in developmental psychology. And that helped me a lot with um, setting up good, safe programs for kids. But, you know, other programs like Joe's Outdoor Rec um, can add in something to camp as well. Joe, do you have any any other advice or ideas for, for people? Yeah, I have a couple of things. Uh, first off, when when you're doing in North America, and this is this is a perspective I would have had 19 days ago, but um, so there's two things. In North America, you really need to prepare yourself to manage, mm -hmm. right? So that you're very rarely are you going to be a program person for 12 months of the year, right. um, and I think more so that is happening now. But I think the the majority is you need to be make that shift, as Rich said, from going from you know, being a camp counselor, you need to start thinking about managing people. So this is where when I move to full-time camping, you, you quickly realize that you're not, it's not just program and fun all the time. There's actual stuff that needs to get done that is managing people, it's managing money, it's managing advertising and promotion and, and all of those things. And so those are really skills that um, that I gained by being in camping full-time. And I learned from Judy Bigger at the Taylor Staten Camps when she was there how to manage camp. And, and it's funny because you don't realize quite how much you you learn from someone until you, you leave. So when I went to the to Pierce Williams, it, a lot of that stuff I'd sort of learned through osmosis. And, and, um, and that's where in North America I would say, yeah, you need to learn how to be a a manager and understand that that what made camp fun for you is still going to make camp fun for for thousands and thousands of kids but for you you need it's now a, a job it's a full-time job and and it's a passion that you can you can grow into right being in in australia i am 
amazed at how many people are employed in the camp industry full-time as programmers mm-hmm. who have um, almost no management responsibility. So I'm at facilities where you, you're talking about um, 50 full-time employees at, at camp and education facilities. Now, it's set up completely different here in the sense that the majority of their work comes from school groups. So you might have a, you know, um, you know, five, out of 50 employees, you might have 10 people in the kitchen and you might have two on maintenance and some cleaners, but then you'll have 20 program staff who all they do is program. Right, so they program, uh, um, they program sessions for schools all day long, um, and and it's it's amazing to see because the industry here seems to be able to maintain a lot more full time employees. Now, I would have to, that would have to be actual research I would do, but from a you know just a visual check, it seems like there's a lot more full time people here than elsewhere because. You take uh, how many beds at Frost Valley, Dan? Um, there's 750 in this valley, and then there's another hundred something in the other valley. And how many full-time employees does Frost Valley have? Um, we have over a hundred full-time employees, um, and I would say about a third of that is in programming. Okay, and so when you say a hundred full-time employees for se- let's say 700 beds, just for easy numbers. Um, you're talking about facilities here who have 200 beds and have 50 full-time employees. It, wow. It's amazing. It's an amazing difference in numbers. And it's one of the big takeaways is, okay, well, we can't, we can't really model mm-hmm. their school year, although I would think that we should, which is year-round schooling in the sense of they take two-week breaks in the middle of their terms, and they have four terms, and then they have a six-week break over Christmas. Um, but w- it's just the culture that schools send every grade level to camp for three days. Right. So starting in grade two, you're going to go to camp every year for three days. And how awesome would that be to create that culture in North America? And and what would that do to our industry? Really, it would it would it would revolutionize the industry in the sense of employing so many more people, not just the program staff, but, but the rest of the full-time staff that would be needed to, to accommodate that. What it's also taught me is that not to, not to limit yourself. So if you're full-time, if you're looking for full-time work and you're willing to move, um, I've, there are lots of Canadians in, in Australia doing full-time camp work. It's, a, it's an amazing and, and you know, it's an amazing perspective and something that you know 15 to 20 years ago when i was first looking i would have just never thought about right because we didn't have social media we didn't have the ease of 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 seeing these things occur um but yeah i my mind is just full of ideas at, mm-hmm. at this point after 19 days so right and I think you pick up on something we've talked about before on the show, Joe, that um, camps seem to be loud, loudly fighting any talk of year-round schooling. And um, yeah. I think that's a mistake. I think that um, year-round schooling might actually be better for kids in a model like you've talked about with a good big break when one good big break, but lots of little breaks. Um, and that if we're smart as summer camps, then we can bring in people year-round 
uh, and you know more income, et cetera, if we can figure out a way to work within within a different paradigm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right on. Good. Uh, I, I think at this time, unless I'm going to give anybody else a chance, anything anything come up from what Joe said you want to talk about? All right. No, um, uh, there's um, there's just fantastic um, resources to find jobs. Um, there's um, ACA camps. There's AEE. Um, that's the Association for Spiritual Education. There's um, there's a really it's has a I don't like the name of the site, but it's actually got some really great great outdoor jobs in it. Um, it's backdoorjobs.com, and it's all um, just jobs that are for like a few months um, all around the world. Um, but those recreation jobs um, are are vital to having a career in camping. Yeah, yeah, and that that um that that's another point that the the few month jobs are really opportunities to get um, longer jobs or full time positions. Because if you're thinking I'm only going to apply to full time positions, you might limit yourself. Whereas if you can uh, take a seasonal position and work really hard and prove yourself to an employer and say, Hey, you really want to keep me. That's a, that's a great way to get an in. Yep. That's awesome. Well, thanks very much guys. Uh, it's at this time, then we will move on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. I thank the four panelists and Gab for um, each coming prepared with the tool of the week. Uh, Joe, since you're coming from the farthest away, we'll move from farthest to closest to Woodstock. Um, <laughs> Joe, what's your tool of the week this week? My tool of the week. So Gab, Gab said her tool of the week was the Matt and Joe show, which we do. Um, we're trying to do nightly here in Australia. My tool would actually be Spreaker, which is the platform we use to to put that show out. So when I was in Canada before I left, I was looking for a way to do podcasts easy, right? So that I wouldn't have to edit and, and upload and things. And I found this program called Spreaker, um, which has a free, we're using the free portion because you can, I think you can store 10 hours of audio freely. Um, and so we knew, uh, Matthew and I, when we talked about creating the podcast, we knew that we wanted it to be short, anywhere from you know three to ten minutes, so that yep. people would listen to it. Um, and Spreaker is awesome because we can literally do it on our on my iPhone. I put a little earbud in. We choose the intro music, we choose the extra music, and then there's some sound effects that you can choose as well. And um, and we go from there. And it's it's literally easy peasy and uploads. There, I guess there are paid accounts to it as well. Um, and it seems like one of those things. And Travis, it, it can be hooked up to iTunes and and a bunch of other things. But I just I'm, I didn't want to do all of that for what we're doing. But uh, Spreaker is what I would uh, call my tool of the week because I'm using it every day right now. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good, and it's nice that there is a. It, I always like everything that's a, a freemium model. So that's. A good, a good pick that people can get start with. Decide if they like it, and then if they happen to get to the point that they need to pay for it, that's available. Yep, for sure. Good, good pick, Joe. Thank you. Uh, Rich, what's your pick of the week? Your tool of the week. My tool of the week is a, um, a book by Jim Kane. Uh, it's called "Find Something to Do," and it's the No Prop Activities Edition. 
Um, it's a really fantastic book. It's pocket-sized. It has, I think, over 100 different activities for camp counselors. And we bought, um, I don't recall how many we bought, but if you buy a certain quantity, it was $5 per book. We gave them to all of our staff members at the beginning of staff training, had them run games throughout staff training. And, I mean, it's, it's what you've always wanted in terms of a pocket-sized book for... Uh, um, uh, finding ways to spend your time uh, during transition times or during downtime at camp. Wow, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, and they can get it at uh, teamworkandteamplay.com. You can contact Jim directly. Good stuff. So we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Thank you, Rich. Uh, Dan, what's your pick? Uh, my pick is a, a DVD from uh, Richard uh, Lavoie, who is the... Um, is a, a fantastic uh, speaker and author on uh, children with a disability, and it's it's called "How Difficult Can This Be?" Um, Fat City, a learning disability workshop, and um, uh, basically it is a DVD he made in the '80s with PBS, and uh, it's still relevant today. And it uh, really, um, it really shows you what it's like to have a disability. Um, uh, that stands for frustration, anxiety, and tension. Um, uh, but um, it's, it was incredible to watch this. Uh, we actually watched, I was in a workshop with Richard Lavoie last week for, um, for three days. And Rick put this DVD on. He said, you know, I, I know it's silly for me to put a DVD on and actually be here with you. But um, uh, he put it on and we were able to process it afterwards. And it was just, it's just a phenomenal um, resource and uh, it's it's perfect for anybody working with children. Um, so I put up the link for PBS. You could find it a little bit cheaper on Amazon. You might be able to find it in YouTube. But uh, uh, it's just a it's just a resource. I think we're going to be using a staff training from now on. Good, that's a great pick. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're very podcast centric today, which is kind of funny how that happens uh, for our tools. I have a podcast to pick as well. Um, it's one called, um, the host, his name is Rick Mulready. Um, his show is called the inside social media podcast. His focus is what can small companies learn from big brands, um, allow the big brands to do all the experimenting and then small companies take their social media and, and online marketing lessons and apply them. And so he talks with people like, um, Scott Monty from Ford, the woman that used to run, Red Bull, social campaigns, on and on and on. Um, and his his focus is always, how do we learn these lessons and apply them as small companies, small businesses? And so there's something great in each one of those shows. So uh, I love it. You can find it at um, rickmulready.com. And uh, I'll put the link into it. It's the Inside Social Media Podcast. You can find that there. Uh, and this brings us to pretty close to the end. Um, I do want to thank our Tool of the Week sponsor, who's one of our patrons on the Patreon campaign. So, Tink Raby Hall, thank you for your sponsorship of the Tool of the Week. Uh, I'm so grateful that uh, that you sponsored the show and help us do what we're doing here at Camp Hacker. So, I thank you. Uh, and before I say goodbye to everybody, I do want to encourage everybody to go to iTunes and leave us a review there, a rating and review there. Um, you can find Camp Hacker in your, your iTunes directory. 
Um, but you could also leave a rating or review on Stitcher because I know that there are a number of people that listen to us on the Stitcher app. And I wanted to thank uh, Traker13 on Stitcher who left us a review, a five out of five star review last week. Um, or a couple weeks ago, I guess. And we always love hearing from people who listen to the show and we love getting their input on things. So I want to thank Tracker13 for his uh, review. His review said, awesome, with lots of exclamation points. Uh, look forward to each new podcast. Provides a wealth of ideas and resource information. I wish I had found the podcast sooner. And buddy, we wish you had found it sooner too. But we'll keep going and adding these things on. We're really grateful that you're listening. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to each one of us. And that's how I'm going to wrap up the show. Give each one of um, our co-hosts today uh, a chance to, for you to get to know them, um, ask them any questions. As Dan said, we're all willing to be resource people, but we're going to rely on you to reach out to us and, and ask us questions. Um, but what we want to do here is offer that chance. So, uh, Rich... How can people get in touch with you if they have any, any questions or they want to follow up on on some of the things that you said today? Well, um, so you can visit www.camperdman.org. That's our website if you want to learn more about uh, where I work. It is a beautiful facility here on the North Shore of Oahu. Um, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, Richard Rinaldi um, or email me at rrinaldi. Um, at ymcahonolulu.org. So that's R-R-I-N-A-L-D-I. Um, and we actually do have some full-time positions available right now. Um, and this was, <laughs> my appearance was not an advertisement for that, yeah. but I figured it would be useful for the folks who might be interested in this podcast. Pretty good. Thanks, Rich, for, for, uh, for putting your hand up and saying this would be a good topic because it's been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. I hope I... Uh, did well enough that you'll have me back someday. Yes, we'd love to have you back. That'd be great. That'd be great. Joe, how can people find you? Uh, people can find out about Pierce Williams at campisbetter.com. Life is good, camp is better. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at YoYoJoR, and they can follow along uh, uh, the, the podcast, the Matt and Joe Show, um, can be found. The easiest way would be to go to YoYoJoYoYoJoE.com. And I put that post there, but and I put up the speaker. And once you click through on the speaker thing, you can get to all of the rest of our episodes. So that would be uh, the best way to follow me right now. It's good. It's good. And follow up on Gab's Tool of the Week. Yeah. Thanks, Joe, for getting up early. Not a problem. It's great to have you on. And Dan, how can people follow you? Yeah, uh, so I work at Frost Valley YMCA. And um, I can be found at uh, danlovescamp.com as well as uh, unplugatcamp.com. And uh, I also tweet at Dan Loves Camp. That's great. Thanks, Dan. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, no problem. Right on. So people are watching. They want to find our show notes. They can go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, and you will find the show notes from this and many other shows. As I said, I hope you'll leave us an iTunes review. Um, but I also hope that you will click on subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. You can see how to do that just below this video. But uh, if you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, you'll see this and now almost 60 other shows focused on issues that are that are learning issues for camp professionals. So we would really love to see you there and, and hear from you. Um, 
The last thing is, if you have any questions for us, go to camphacker.tv slash questions. Leave us a, an answer or question there, and it'll be just like Rich did. It'll give us a chance to, to change our programming based on things that you actually need to know or want to know for running camp. So uh, I'm grateful to the four of you that have joined me, five of us total. Um, the... And so I'm so I'm glad that the bunch of you are there um, and uh, we'll say goodbye to you guys and thanks Gab also thanks for a good show and thanks for the evening friends the Camp Hacker podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants thanks for listening Building great camp community at camphacker.org.